Welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda. I am your host. And I am here, as always, with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing pretty good, actually. We are also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello. And Abby. Hey. And we are here once again to talk about the Yuri Kuma Arashi Yuri Bearstorm manga. And we are starting volume two, which starts with chapter nine. So uh, let's, Cass, why don't you, why don't you tell me about this chapter that we are starting? Because luckily enough, it gives us a little refresher on our characters and our story so far. We don't have full notes for chapter 11 because that was, my arm was hurting. So I uh, didn't finish, but... We have the rest of it. So anyway. The good news is Tokyo Pop and the Tonkavon creator were kind enough to give us a quick refresh on the story so far, which is best described as Ginko's got issues, but she likes Kureha a whole lot and is definitely in love with her. Ginko's mom absolutely has some unresolved, messed up feelings about possessiveness in love. <laughs> which she expresses by literally telling her daughter to devour someone. And Lulu is the only pure and good person in this bitch of a world. It's true. Koreha is also pretty pure, but no one gets more cinnamon roll than Lulu. That's true. So with a more like direct recap, we have Ginko and Koreha have begun interacting. Ginko basically convinced Koreha to stop being invisible, to start kind of acting as a human in a larger world. They keep putting invisible in quotes. Yes. And Kureha just is super taken with Ginko, but realizes there's something strange about her and deduces that she may, in fact, be a bear, which Ginko initially denies, but we find out later that Ginko absolutely, in fact, believes that she is a bear, and that, in fact, everyone in the world who is not Kureha is a bear. Uh, we also were introduced to Lulu, who claims to know to have known Ginko as a small child, even though Ginko denies this, and considers herself a rival for Ginko's affections. Uh, also, Kureha and Lulu burned down their dorms, so they ended up living <laughs> together with Ginko. And while they were living with her, Ginko's mom, who we've called Ginko's mom this entire time, the character's name is Kale, which we won't find out until later in the volume, but we're going to go with from now on. It was getting exhausting typing Ginko's mom's treatment center over and over again. So I, and and stuff like that. So I decided to look up her name, which actually when I looked it up, I found out that this is also Kare is also the name that they give the guy that grooms Yurieka in the anime. That's a choice. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. (laughs) I I do not know what to do with that knowledge, but nonetheless, it is now yours. It's like, I I don't think that they're supposed to be the same character. And I don't think that that's what that means. But I also don't know what it means. So 
they're not identical characters. That's they're not. But they do occupy similar spaces, roles. Yeah. So while Ginko and Lulu and Kureha are having a fun, blissful domestic life, Kale calls Ginko, goes like, "Hey, Ginko." Kureha will never truly be able to love you because humans and bears can't be together. The only way to realize your love for her is to eat her because then she will be with you inside you forever. I'm pretty sure that's what the neon demon was about, which is a joke for like the five people who saw the neon demon. <laughs> that is what the neon demon was about. I was going to go for another Beastars joke, but honestly, neon <laughs> demon is a much better reference. <laughs> but yeah, so Ginko just refuses but it clearly messes her up and one night after finding out that Kureha has 100% eaten bear before because <laughs> Kureha's dad is a pr- traditional bear hunter she kind of crawls into Kureha's room and begins starts to nibble on her and realizes she absolutely cannot actually physically eat Kureha and that that would be awful but yeah, it's it's very clear her mom got into her head and messed her up. And that's kind of the the cliffhanger we left the last volume on. Ginko had explained the bear world thing. Oh, yes. And then we're about to see that conversation like actually sort of happen. And we begin with the chapter nine splash page, which is Kureha aiming her rifle directly at the reader. You've asked in notes whether that is a real gun or her laser rifle, and the answer is her laser rifle is meant to look like a reproduction of the real thing, so it's basically impossible to tell. I was wondering if there was a way to tell with, like, I don't know, the end of the muzzle or something. I don't know, guns. Alice, you would know this better than I would, because you know guns. It's true. I am the gun whisperer. (laughs) I'm going to guess that it is not. This is supposed to be a real one. If only because it's got the wide, like it actually, you can look and see the barrel has the actual barrel there. Things that are supposed to shoot like a laser light, you'd probably see like an actual little emitter. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so I assume that this is supposed to be the actual. So this is the gun Kareha uses in the anime to shoot bear statues, presumably. (laughs) One of the most unhinged things that I think is in all of Yurikuma is that scene. Yes, the first one. Absolutely. Obliterating bear statues. Yep. That was a great intro. So the chapter kind of begins, picks up right on that conversation of Kuriha and Ginko talking about the world being full of bears. And Ginko has basically told Kuriha everything. The world is made of bears. My family are the only ones who can see them. And you are the only human in the entire world. Or at least the only human that Ginko has ever met. Yes. Uh, Kureha, like, initially wonders if Ginko is serious, realizes she is, and Ginko confesses to Kureha that Kale told her to eat Kureha, even though she and Ginko were friends, relays basically everything her mom said, and also tells Kureha that in the past, her mom ate the girl she loved. Which... That's a thing to get dropped on you by your crush. Yeah. Kureha does, in fact, react to this by internally by thinking that Ginko sounds absolutely, you know, buck wild insane. Because she does. But rather than feeling afraid or weirded out, she feels worried and kind of 
a sense of pity toward Ginkgo, which, yeah, fair. And she realizes she wants to save Ginkgo from what is fairly obviously some kind of delusion, at least as far as Kareha mm-hmm. is concerned. And while Ginkgo is kind of crying into her lap, she reassures Ginkgo and points out, hey, you didn't eat me. And even though you're a bear and I'm a person, we're still friends. This is also a point where Koreha realizes that the bear doll that Ginkgo has smells like lilies, which that'll come up as the chapters go on. Why does the scent of lilies always remind me of the past? (laughs) So we get the line, Ginkgo has been locked up in the bear world that her mother created. How could she do something so horrible to her own daughter? Which very clearly here, Koreha has sussed out as far as she's concerned, this is something that Ginko's mother inflicted on her. Mm-hmm. Because, well, like, Lulu tells her this, I believe. This is actually, yeah, Lulu is very much... Lulu sort of helps to fill in some of the gaps presented yeah. by Ginko's uh, story. Yeah, and the way she fills it in is, in fact, to tell Kureha that this is Kureha's mom's fault. Ginko's mom's fault. Or Ginko's mom's fault, yeah. <laughs> This is not Rhea's fault. Rhea's fine. (laughs) Rhea's only crime was dabbling in heterosexuality. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, to be fair, Rhea's bi. Bisexuals are valid. We're not, we we won't participate in bi erasure, even though I did just say that five minutes ago. But that's because (laughs) I I wanted to use the phrase, the crime of dabbling in heterosexuality. And you know what? I feel like that was worth it. In fairness, I have also very briefly dabbled in heterosexuality, and it was awful. I I do not recommend it. Uh, It's not for everyone. But, yeah. So, Kureha does the only thing she can do at this point, which is deal with her frustration at the rifle shooting club with target practice. (laughs) And Lulu and Ginko are there, and they kind of applaud her and say she's super cool and, you know, just as expected. (laughs) Nothing less from the daughter of a Mataki hunter. It's true. We don't actually see what kind of targets she was... Sh- oh, no, we do. We do. It's it's just paper targets. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm a little disappointed that it's only paper targets and that the panel we see them get in is so small because this would have been a great moment to have the bear statue shooting from the anime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lulu kind of teases Kureha and says, Hey, don't shoot Ginko and I even though we're bears. Uh, Ginko and Kureha both laugh at her for being afraid of a beam rifle. And Lulu just goes, hey, Ginko, weren't you literally freaking out when you first saw Kureha shooting last chapter? <laughs> and Ginko very defensively says, I, I was just surprised. I wasn't scared. Big, strong woman. Never never been afraid of anything. <laughs> and then Kureha and Lulu share meaningful eye contact. And we do get confirmation here that after Kareha was kind of informed of the whole bear thing by Ginko. She had a talk with Lulu, and they promised each other they would accept Ginko's reality rather than just, like, aggressively challenging it. Which is my understanding is how you're supposed to deal with someone who has delusions, right? Like, you're not supposed to try to... You're not necessarily supposed to try to push back on every delusion. You're supposed to sometimes lean in. I do not have the training to know whether that is something you're supposed to do in every case. Fair. But I do know that my little sister went to college to become a social worker, and 
during some of her field placement stuff, she did a lot of work with homeless people who have very, very like, you know, sometimes schizophrenic mental issues where it's like serious audiovisual hallucinations, sometimes with a history of substance abuse because they're self-medicating. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand from her, that is something that happens a lot is, especially if you're worried that the person could become violent or mm-hmm. isn't stable. You don't want to challenge them because, you know, in that state, they could really have a like completely adverse reaction. It could end up reinforcing the delusion rather than giving them the room to kind of move past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like people get really, really upset when you challenge them that way and they can, and in this case it would probably be bad to do that to Kinko because it would in this case feel exactly like her friends rejecting her. Yeah, they say that even if everyone rejects Ginkgo, they don't want to reject her. Yes, exactly. So, you know, they both admit, despite saying, you know, they will never turn their backs on Ginkgo, that acting like they buy the whole everyone is bears thing may be harder than they expected. (laughs) Ginkgo asks Lulu the very, (laughs) the very honest question of, hey, Lulu, if you're a bear, why are you cosplaying as a bear? Because she has the bear costume on. I think she has the costume on because of her cosplay club stuff. But also, yeah, like, why are you dressed as a bear if you are a bear? To which Lulu just goes, well, I can't tell that I'm a bear. You know, I look like a person to me. And Ginkgo just accepts that because, of course, she can't. Lulu's not bear royalty like her. Kuriha kind of feels a little bit like a third wheel in the conversation as Ginko and Lulu squabble about bear nonsense. And Kuriha is very impressed that Lulu is able to sort of keep pace with Ginko's logic. She's pretty good at yes-anding Ginko's bear stuff. Yeah, and Ginko, for her part, is impressed that Lulu knows about bears at all. To which Lulu points out, you know, you told me when you were little. Referring back to, again, those memories she has of time with Ginkgo that Ginkgo still doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And now that secret belongs to the three of them instead of just Ginkgo and Lulu. So Ginkgo kind of be- begins to feel better now that she's had a chance to kind of confess what she's been hiding so long to her friends. And Koreha just decides to, like, take a chance, and asks questions about how the whole bear thing works. So, here's what we know about bears. Are buildings and clothes bears? No. Those are things made by bears. (laughs) Are cats bears? Yes. Birds? Yes, those are bears. Frogs? Bugs? Also bears. Plants? Sometimes bears. Flowers (laughs) are mostly bears. And... If that sounds kind of weird to you, listeners, you are not the only one, because Kareha just straight up goes, what are the standards of being a bear? (laughs) And kind of wishes she had some kind of guidebook. So off she goes to the library to get a psychotherapy book. Casual. Look, sometimes the only way to relate to your partner is to get a DSM-4. Lulu just ask the very reasonable question of like, hey, that book looks hard to understand. Do you really want to read it? And Koreha admits she has no idea what she's doing. So Lulu says, I'm going to get a book on compatibility and fortune telling and asks when Ginko's birthday is. 
uh, Kureha is once again just blown away and impressed by how how perfect and sweet Lulu is. She is just the sweetest, most perfect little baby. And Panda's notes here see, give us the polycule Ikuni, I am not asking. I'm not asking! I am demanding! (laughs) This is fair. What they deserve. So, Kureha is kind of blown away by how straightforward Lulu's expression of affection toward Ginkgo is. And while she kind of wonders, like, maybe Lulu's being a little too straightforward, she also kind of negatively compares herself to Lulu and wonders if she is good at being Ginkgo's friend. And then we get a flashback. Kureha sees a cookbook for, you know, cakes and pies. Kureha remembers baking apple pies with as a kid and remembers asking her mother if there's something she can do for Ginkgo. Or no, sorry, my bad. Older Kureha is asking that. This is what I get for reading the notes while not having the manga chapter up in front of me. Oh, yeah, that wasn't really clear. Yeah, she's like thinking about her mom making pie and also like wondering what her mom would think about what she should do for Ginkgo. I just reread this chapter. This shows how bad I am at retaining information sometimes. We did read it very quickly. Yeah. Speed reading. It's a mood. Yep. So Kureha solves the problem of feeling inadequate the only way she can with banking. Uh, she makes Ginkgo a pie, and Ginkgo loves it. Kureha offers her, asks her if she wants ice cream or whipped cream on top. Ginkgo, I'm going to quote the exact language you used in your notes here, Panda. Ginkgo decides to live deliciously and give both. And get both. <laughs> Does thou wish to live? deliciously that's actually what uh black philip was talking about was getting both whipped cream and ice cream with your pie i'm gonna be real i'm not really a big fan of whipped cream but even i feel like that's that's decadence incarnate truly decadent also i love the drawing of this pie it looks like no maybe like a cherry pie it makes me really want pie yeah i'm actually Gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go full screen again for a second here, so I can guess that. Yeah, that might be a cherry pie. It's either cherry or, given the shape of the fruit, maybe strawberry. It's definitely not apple. Yeah, it doesn't have like the big wedges of an apple. Yeah, it's probably cherry's probably probably what it is. Because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you don't really need that lattice top with the strawberry pie because strawberry pies are traditionally um, served chill. Mm-hmm. Cherry pies are also like maximum aesthetic. Yeah, I haven't had a cherry pie ever, and now I really want one. Wow. Yeah, cherry pie is incredible. Yeah. So Ginkgo compliments Kureha's banking, and Kureha. Kind of goes like, yeah, when Ginko's, you know, acting like this, she looks just like a normal girl. <laughs> Kareha asks when Ginko's birthday is, and Ginko goes like, oh yeah, I literally don't know. Bears give birth during hibernation, so I don't know the exact date. And apparently Lulu told her there's no point in using the date on her birth certificate. <laughs> well. I guess. I guess. That should say, I think like the big revelation there is that Ginko's mom didn't tell her what her birthday is and they don't even have a day on which they've celebrated Ginko's birthday. That says a lot about her mom and how much she sucks. And Yes. Yeah. So given that this is all happening in Ginko's home, this is a great time for the burglar alarm to go off. So Kuriha and Ginko go rush out to find out what kind of intruder has broken into the East Wing and it it's Lulu. 
it, it's just Lulu. I guess. I do want to know how Lulu managed to set off the alarm when she's living there. Did they just not tell her? So Lulu is trapped in a cage, which A... How did she get into the cage? Uh, presumably it's some kind of automated security system trap, which means that this mansion that Ginkgo lives in is just kitted out like the headquarters of like a superhero organization. I guess. <laughs> There's been a danger room here the entire time. It does remind me of like an animal traps, which is kind of funny. Just like imagine yeah. a little cage dropping down like, oh, like that game Mouse Trap. I don't know if anybody's yeah. a board game. I think of that. Wow. So, second question is: Ginko like accuses Lulu of, you know, hey, like I thought you were gonna, you weren't gonna stalk me anymore, which I guess implies that the reason this cage dropped on Lulu is, in addition to being funny, Lulu must have come in through like a window or something instead of just walking in the door, which I... they can. No, I don't think that's what that was. I but, think you know, you're right because. It, I yeah, think that this Lulu was, was poking a room she shouldn't have been. That's yeah, I think that Kale's room is booby trapped, and so that's what's like, going on. Yeah, this confused me when I was speaking. Uh, it's the use of the word stalk, and I think it's just like just maybe not the best translation here. Like I think <laughs> that like I think maybe something more akin to like Snoop seems more yeah. like what's actually going on i mean you know we don't have access to the or we don't have the original like japanese and i mean none of yeah. us get well enough to but yeah you know. i assume the stalk is here as like humorously because that would make yeah. more sense of what's going on here because the tone of this is obviously not that this is legitimately some kind of huge problem. oh yeah definitely yeah but yeah it's just confusing <laughs> a little bit yeah so Lulu just goes, like, admits that she just wanted to know when Ginkgo's birthday is and thought there might be a hint in the Queen's room, which means Kale's room. And Kuriha, as soon as she hears this, goes, hey, that's a great idea. Let's look in that room. I want to make a birthday cake. And also Lulu wants to, still wants to test her compatibility with Ginkgo based on the, the fortune telling book she got. Data birth fortune telling is actually really big in Japan, so... You know well, what? Astrology stuff is big with lesbians, so it's true. This is this is uh, cultured on multiple levels. Ginkgo just goes, "This is stupid." Koreha and Lulu protest, and Ginkgo cannot handle two cute girls asking to do something at the same time. She buckles or, immediately, just crumbles immediately, and goes like, "All right, fine. You can go in my mom's room." But she warns them that no one's gone into this room in twenty years. And it's been left the way it is right now since before Ginkgo was born. So if you open it, don't regret it. <laughs> and Kureha's like, oh man, why has it been closed off for so long? And the reason is Kale's mom's room looks... Our apartment is a mess right now and this room makes me feel better about it in every way. <laughs> I cannot begin to describe to you how bad this room is. There are garbage bags piled up in the corner. There's an artist's easel in a corner with like what looks like a drop cloth underneath it that hasn't been used in goddamn forever. Damn, bitch, you live like this? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. We could literally Photoshop that into this. Right next to the futon, like pushed up right so like it would be at the toes of whoever was sleeping in it. 
Yeah, it's just, it's very bad. And apparently it stinks because that is 20 year old trash that has not been moved. Grosses out the girls and Ginkgo explains that she's talked before about throwing out some of this stuff, but apparently Eureka will not let her. Mm, Don't like that. So yeah, uh, Eureka may have some some problems and unresolved issues regarding Ginko's mother. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's the bad news. The good news is everyone kind of agrees we should clean up a little bit. Poor Lulu just gets something in her dust in her eyes. Koreha wonders if she should go get some goggles and masks. And right as she's about to go do that, she realizes she can smell lilies coming from a door inside the room. And Lulu's mind immediately jumps to, is it a hidden room? Uh, Ginko more realistically goes, it's probably just a closet. And Kureha points out the doors are sliding doors, and it opens into a massive room full of portraits. And the largest one, which you see right as you go in the door, is Kureha's mother, who looks almost just like her. Well, I mean, if you look at the other pictures, like, it's pretty clear that Rhea is in almost all of these. Yeah, almost every single one is a portrait of Rhea. In fact, I think it's hard to tell from the angles on some of them, but it looks like it might literally be all of them. Mm-hmm. And Kureha recognizes them and immediately goes, oh, because, <laughs> yeah. And she also notices, in addition to the very big uh, centerpiece portrait, which is Rhea holding a rifle over her shoulder. So uh, like mother, like daughter, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's also a portrait of Rhea in what looks like it might be... Okay, that's not a wedding dress, actually. That's that's the dress she wears in the anime. Yeah, and we see her another time in that dress as well. Yeah, and it has been slashed such that Rhea's face and the entire top right-hand corner of the portrait has been removed so somebody quite violently attacked this portrait for some reason so also i'm not sure if all of those are photos they some of them might be i think based on the easel some of them might be portraits yeah maybe so and i mean like i think we get the implication that kale is uh, an artist of some kind so yes it would not be out of the ordinary for these to be portraits. Yeah, I'm not sure which they're meant to be. They're drawn in the same style as the rest of the manga, so it could be either one. And a lot of them are like two. They're turned at angles that makes it, it get difficult to tell. Like, are these mm-hmm. pictures that have been painted or are they photographs? Mm-hmm. No, no one actually, I think, says either way. They just say they're all pictures rather than they're all one, photographs or they're all paintings. Mm-hmm. So Kureha kind of puts two and two together here because she does not know how her mother died. And Ginko mentioned earlier that her mom ate the girl she loved. Mm-hmm. And she vows to herself that one day she's going to ask for a straight answer about this. And for a very brief moment, Kureha sees Ginko as a bear. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the chapter nine. Womp womp. Time for chapter ten. Are y'all ready to get sad? Yay! Now that now that we know that Ginko's mm-hmm. mom is is a really really messed up Helga Pataki, 
you know that you thought about it. You know that you looked at that. And some part of your brain, deep down inside, said, that's Helga Pataki. Um, you know, I, it had not yet occurred to me, but you're not wrong. Okay. Chapter 10. So chapter 10 starts with, we get a very, very cute picture of Lulu. Yes. It is very cute. Just, I love the way that the care. I love the way that they're all drawn in this, in this manga. The art in this book is superb. God, I wish I remembered her name. Raya? No, the no, artist that did the, the manga. The artist, guy. yeah, the artist who did, who did this manga did another Yuri manga that is actually pretty good. That um, has the style. We we talked about it in the first episode. Yeah, but I don't remember what it was called. So they're still kind of reeling from finding the shrine, and Kuriha is still kind of dealing with the reverberations of what's. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Gingo's dealing with reverberations of, like, remembering, you know, one and one equals two here about Mama <laughs> fell in love with a human girl and ate her. And that's when Lulu finds an envelope. And she immediately is like, maybe it's money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's not money. It's a star pendant, which falls into Gingo's hand as she opens it up. And immediately she, like, looks at it and something hits her and she just, like, straight up passes out. We switch over to Ginko's mom in a big house somewhere, ignoring her phone while she paints a picture of Ginko Bear, Bear Ginko. The person calling her is Eureka, who is very relaxed. <laughs> she is having a girl's night party of one. She is tits out, drinking a glass of wine, reclined on this this couch, like... I wish I, I wish I could be this relaxed, frankly. It's a look. It's a mood. She's apparently been trying to call Giko's mom for like 10 days. Yeah, over a week, for sure. Giko's mom just refuses to answer. We find out the most important part of this chapter, which is that she has a maid called Katusha. That's yeah. my favorite part of the chapter, anyway. Who you also, would. I think, helps out at you the school. Would. I'm sorry, you would. So she decides, since she can't get in touch with Nico's mom, she's just going to have to, I'm going to have to go and see what she's up to and go check on her. Also, by the way, losing clothes somewhere between this panel and the next panel. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but it happens. And that's about the time that she finds out that Ginko has collapsed because Katusha tells her. We get a dream sequence after this. This dream sequence of Ginko floating around in space. And it's frankly adorable. And she finds a treasure chest straight out of a JRPG with a tape, a sign taped to it that says, do not open. I was thinking it was sort of a reverse Alice in Wonderland situation where normally Alice stumbles upon things telling her to to eat me or drink me. And this says, don't open. Yep. And it's like, it's also a little difficult to tell, but originally this was probably... I'm guessing this was translated to say don't open based on the orientation of the writing. Yeah. This is supposed to be like a seal. Yeah. Like the kind of seal that keeps things from getting out. A protective seal. Paper talisman style. So as she approaches it, she is told that it contains memories that were sealed away by, I think, by what appears to be the um, life judges. Yeah. The life boys. The The life boys who are all bears. And they are kind of adorable, honestly. Life's sexy, cool, and beauty, respectively. They are really cute mascots. They are really cute. Interestingly, unlike, like, in the in the anime, one of them always goes against the grain. 
But here they're all pretty united in saying that they that she should open it because whatever in there, those memories that are sealed away are too dangerous. But out comes Lulu jumping out of nowhere to land on the thing to say you should open it. Actually, no, hold up. She says if you keep telling her not to open it, she's going to want to open it. And then a, a little, a young version of Kiriha shows up and picks up Ginko like she is a stuffed bear and says, let's open it. I'm with, right here with you. And so is Lulu. And it is overwhelmingly cute. They're so cute. It's so cute. And what's in the box, Alice? It's pitch black. She can't see it. We get a little bit of anthro bear ears uh, Ginko, which is great. And we get, like, really confusing images, one of which shows her mom being apparently maybe strangled. Yeah. Yes. is being strangled by someone. One that looks like blood? Like, that somebody's, like, slit her throat or something? But she's, she's laying on the ground, and there is blood around her. And then, these are obviously, like, really sh- scattered images. And someone, a figure standing over who may be Gingo's mom, but is in, sh- in shadow saying that, uh, sh- Rhea's dead. Yep. You see, Mama loves Rhea, so I ate her. And then, like, Ginko kind of internalizing in that moment that we're criminal bears. Notably, in this flashback, Ginko's mother appears as a human silhouette right up until the lines, I loved her, so I ate her. At which point, she is very clearly a bear. And then she wakes up. She wakes up, and um, Reza, Reza Hawkeye is there. Uh, Reza would make better decisions, let's be clear. Yeah, she really would. I, Reza makes better decisions in partners, in life, in career. I mean, Reza Hawkeye works for the military, but that's still a better decision than anything that Yuri has ever done in this <laughs> So she's there. We find out Kingo like, basically passed out and has been out for three days. Which Lulu is obviously upset about. And Ginko remembers. She apparently remembers playing with Lulu. She remembers that Lulu, my one and only friend, which Lulu is apparently kind of happy about. But then she looks at Kuriha, who's holding her hand, all happy to see her awake, and asks her, what are you doing in my room? And it's like, oh, she's just some random person. And when Lulu tries to say, oh, you know, it's Kurichin. Don't you, did you forget? And she's like, oh, I remember her, Subaki Kuriha for my class. But that's all. Other than that, she's a complete stranger to me, which is startling. And very upsetting. To everyone. She also, like, the next day, like, after sort of being really glaring at everybody, just turns around in her seat before class starts and tells Kuriha, you have until Sunday to get your luggage together. I want you out of the house by next week. Yeah, like, another girl, like, is like, oh, Ginko, I haven't seen you in a while. Where have you been? And, like, Ginko just, like, totally freezes her out. And, like, Kureha tries to ask her about something to do with the school festival. And Ginko totally blows her off and just tells her, you gotta move out. This is a very yep. big shoujo trope, but it just it just feels like they kind of just dropped it in. They're like, we need to shake things up a bit. Yeah. Time to you gotta 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 throw some tension in. Gotta have a little more tension than just Ginko's mom might have killed Kareha's mom. So we get Ginko back home, and she doesn't. She's like, I don't care. Yurika says I'm throwing all this out, as she just completely clears out that old room, her mom's old room. And you're 
Lulu is there kind of helping her and remarks that Ginko's completely different and she's been acting weird. And Ginko kind of looks back at her and is like, I told you, I remember everything. Lulu acknowledges, yeah, that she she's acting like Ginko when they were she like Ginko was when she was a young girl. And Ginko kind of says, yeah, that her heart was locked up in that world of bears that my mama made. I always had to push myself to smile in order to pretend to be normal. The, the me right now is the true me. And Lulu seems to accept this, except for the curry hot part. So you want to stop being friends there just because of that? Can we, can we, um, I'm, I'm sorry, can we quickly have a tangent? Yes. Uh, sure. The tangent is me saying the word masking. I was also thinking this. Yeah. Continue to tangent. Okay, yeah. I, I, I think, like, for any listeners who don't know what that is, masking is a term that comes, I'm familiar with it because of the use of the term among members of the autistic community, but it's theoretically something that can come up for many, many types of neurodivergencies. Mm -hmm. But basically a lot of people who have, you know, who are neurodivergent in some way or another, particularly with neurodivergencies that aren't, that don't really impact your personal quality of life that bad, but make other people feel uncomfortable. There's a lot of pressure to mask your symptoms by acting like you don't have anything different going on upstairs than a neurotypical person. An example of masking would be like, if you have ADHD, it can be very difficult to just like sit still mm-hmm. and do nothing for long periods. And there's a lot of pressure, especially on children who may not have kind of the, all the tools to, you know, handle some of this yet to do that no matter what. And This goes beyond just like, hey, don't get out of your seat and run around the classroom. This is if you are squirming in your seat or you are kicking your legs a little bit, you know, people will tell you, stop doing that. You're making me uncomfortable. Hide your symptoms. This is not quite that. And I don't know if Ikuni was trying to draw such a direct parallel, but Ginkgo admitting that a lot of what she was doing before was a front lines up really well with masking. And in this case, there's a lot of implication that this is trauma she has very aggressively repressed. You know what? There's another thing that it also just sort of occurred to me. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like someone going through like depressive episodes and feeling like the like version of themselves when they are depressed is like the The real real one. Yeah. It's, and it's also kind of that. Like, like she has, like, sort of... She's reliving her trauma through having unpacked all of these repressed memories. And that's, like, thrown her back into, like, her previous mindset. She's, like, re-traumatized. Yeah. By what happened. All right. Sorry about that, Alice. Continue. No worries. So, Lulu asked her about stopping like not being friends with Kuriha anymore and Ginko noticeably this is the first time like at first it seems very much like she's just straight up like you know comes out of a coma a different person but she asks what is Kuriha doing and we get this little text box that is obviously her thoughts like she's probably crying right now it turns out she's packing she'll return to the dorms for now and we see her like they just come across her she's all like ready to go she's already packed and 
Ginko is obviously kind of surprised by this because she told her she had until next week and remarks that it was quick as Kuraha thanks her for t- taking her in. And also, Kuraha doesn't seem to be upset. No, she's, she's, she's like, seems happy. Or normal, at least. If anything, she seems a little more, like, she's very quickly a little more uh, forward. She grasps Giga's hand and says, we'll always be together. Where I live doesn't matter. No matter where I am, I believe that me and Ginko are friends. Ginko is kind of has this like simultaneously telling her that they're not friends and also internally being that's so like her. And Kuriha agrees. I've also realized it. I can't become friends with Ginko. To Ginko's shock as she's trying to basically justify to herself, we can't go back to how we were anymore. We, from the very beginning, this was always kind of doomed. Kuriha's like, yeah, I've known actually for a while. Ginko's startled and not sure what that means. And she, then we get a full page. Kuriha kisses her. Yeah! Yeah! That's our there girl! Is. There she goes. You there know, I'm going to be real. Kuriha kisses Ginko first in both the anime and the manga. But I am going to throw it out and say that as much as I still prefer the anime... There is something wonderful about getting to see a version of Kureha who's not dealing with the anime baggage, getting that kiss in way earlier than her her anime counterpart did. Uh, I apparently took the air horns out of my soundboard, so we'll just have to settle for this. (laughs) You had careless whisper on your soundboard? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Obviously, there was a time to use it. <laughs> you know, fair. I can't complain. So we get Kuriha telling her, I love you, not as friends. Which means that Yuri Kumarashi, the manga, has already achieved, it is in the top 50 percentile of all Yuri manga, and that it has, set, has a love confession that also explicitly is not being sort of couched in the terms of friendship. So, congratulations, we, we've defeated the Class S ceiling. <laughs> we, have, we have broken through. <laughs> I really love you, we can't go back anymore. And then she just leaves! She just dips! I'll see you at school tomorrow! <laughs> she, I mean... Wow! Bye! And Lulu keeps saying to herself, like, she's a chew. She can't a do mouse a chew. Squeaking? No, chew isn't a kiss. Yeah. A kiss. And then she just immediately passes out, like, face first. Yeah, like, Ginko doesn't... It it takes her a second to sort of process what happened, and Lulu says, don't you know she gave you a chew? And uh, we get in the special translation of the manga, we get a little joke where... Uh, bless you? Ginko thinks that the achu is Lulu sneezing. And Lulu says, no, I, I mean, she gave you a kiss. And Ginko's like, a kiss? And then just falls, just head first into the ground with a thud that looks like it hurts. Just planks down, girl is out cold. Mm. Incredibly indulgent panty shot for no reason, but Mm -hmm. I will, I'll let it ride. (laughs) You know, we have no choice. (laughs) This is like an episode of Sailor Moon. <laughs> we are always eating out of the to the trash can of ideology, even when we're reading Yuri manga. Sniff, sniff. I'm glad that we've settled the title for the episode. <laughs> oh. Well, it's time for chapter 11. Cass, tell me about chapter 11. 
Uh, chapter 11 begins with Rhea, actually, in flashback, which we can tell because there are black borders around all the panels. <laughs> and she explains to little tiny Ginkgo that her star pendant is a fragment of love and that whenever someone accepts another person's love for them, a star is born. And Ginkgo, as she kind of recalls this, admits that she remembers everything. And she remembers very specifically Rhea telling her about stars and playing the piano for her. And she remembers thinking that Rhea was very pretty, which, you know, very normal little kid thing to think about, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually a super sweet little scene. And this always this threw me just like I'm, yeah! <laughs> I'm going to say smash cut. Ginkgo is now fully awake. We're back to our version of Ginkgo in her underwear, wearing a kind of like loose fitting coat over and nothing else besides those. I think that's her like button up shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be her uniform shirt, actually. Mm -hmm. It's just it's dark colors, which I think is probably less. I don't think that's diegetic. I think that's supposed to be for kind of accenting this drawing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because it's dark colored, it's hard to tell. But she's wearing that, uh, and she is handling the little... It's the same same shirt she was wearing at home, yeah, while she was cleaning. So this is her having taken off her clothes for bed. We're we're catching her in the middle of that. And also getting the reveal that she was wearing the star pendant all day, which we couldn't see earlier because of the collar of the shirt. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird page of just her standing there in her underwear, like, kind of clutching the pendant thinking about how she remembers everything and there's a little bubble thing that says when you find the one you love you take very good care of them which i imagine is her remembering something that raya said now that i look at it but i didn't realize that when i was making the notes yeah that's that's absolutely what's happening there i think i will make a minor defense of this page in terms of like as sudden as it and weird as it is Last chapter was very sad, and the manga appears to be swerving as hard as it can into being self-indulgent, kind of to counteract that tone Mm -hmm. before it gets too heavy, and also before it gets sadder. Trying to strike some balance. Yeah, and it's also kind of doing that. The thing, I think the one other defense I'll make here is that of all the indulgent scenes we've had so far... This one's actually conveying some fairly important narrative information in that we understand that this is not only later that same night, but that Ginkgo has been wearing this pendant underneath her shirt the whole time. So this is something that is incredibly important to her. And as she remembers more about Rhea, she squeezes the star on the pendant very hard. We get a little squeeze sound effect. She takes off the pendant and she puts it back into a box. And she apologizes to Rhea for not being able to keep her promise because her love can't reach her. It never will. And she's given up her on her love for Kareha, which is very sad. That's mm-hmm. very, very sad. And I'm not okay. That was how I felt most of these three chapters, honestly. Yeah. And she explains to herself why she can't be with Kareha. Getting a little refresher, just uh, in case you were reading this when it was coming out and you needed to remember the premise of the manga. Yep. My mama and I are a family of bears that have been trapped in a forest of sin. We shouldn't be allowed to spend time with you and Kareha. 
So she's still very, very scared, basically, that she's going to pull a repeat of what her mother did, apparently. Mm-hmm. So Kuriha greets Ginko the next morning, and immediately the first thing Ginko thinks of is, Oh, right, we kissed, and she just bails before she can fully remember it. Yeah, Kareha's like, oh, yeah, it's cold today, huh? And Ginko just dips. Fucking nails. <laughs> Girls gotta, gotta get walking. The student council are there, and, you know, they're like, oh, hey, Ginko, you're looking flushed. And as Ginko is desperately trying to think of something, anything else... Life Prez says, are you unable to handle my sexiness? He's <laughs> got a sudden cut to the tiny little bear version of Life Sexy scissoring. Like Bear Eagle. Bear Eagle. <laughs> His little bear so, butthole. Yeah, and it is so fucking goofy that Ginko really actually just cannot help chuckling. Goes like, you know, I needed that. Thanks for the help. And just bails. <laughs> And like Prez just has this moment of like, did did she just use me? <laughs> Life treasurer says, guilty as charged, shall I sue her? <laughs> Damn. Damn son. I should have probably named him Life Disciplinary Disciplinary Committee and not Life Treasurer, but that's No, way I, too- I like Life Treasurer. Life Treasurer, we're go- we're gonna keep going with that. Uh, like, Vice Prez is like, ah, what a refreshing morning! And Kureha is still running after Ginko. <laughs> In the very back. She runs into face first into Yurieka's tits. Yep. Because Yurieka's at the school today, revealing that, yes, in this timeline, she is, in fact, still the principal. Uh, hopefully with a few dozen less dead children. The bar is low. Well, we haven't seen her big wall of corpses, so... Yet. 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 Which was probably the very funny line, I didn't know you were the principal. Well, now you do! (laughs) Well, now you do! Here's that narrative information conveyed to the audience, Kareha. Thank you for not knowing. So we do get an explanation as to why Kareha doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Yurieka's left her position to a representative for a few years, and... She's only just now coming back to work, which, given how things have lined up, those few years have probably been her kind of taking out time to be Ginko's guardian. Well, and also she can't really uh, be running the school if she's off jetting to wherever Kale is is, every time she wants a booty call. (laughs) That is also probably part of it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But yeah, Kureha hits the nail right on the head and asks, you know, did you leave the, the school to a representative because you're worried about Ginko? To which Yurieka has no response. And Kureha kind of drills down and goes, hey, you were my mom's friends with my mom and Ginko's mom. Uh, Yurieka owns up to this. Apparently the three of them graduated from this very school. And Kureha goes, hey, I want to know the truth, even if it's even if it hurts. Please tell me what happened when my mother died. Uh, Yurieka just puts her little finger on Kureha's chin because not entirely a different character than the manga version. The anime version. (laughs) Or the anime version, excuse me. And she says, you're kind and strong and straight to the point, just like Rhea. To which Kureha protests that she's not strong at all and full of anxiety, which is a mood. Mm -hmm. And she says, that's why I want to know what really happened Yurieka dodges the question 
by hugging Kureha and thanking her for always taking care of Kiko, which is as much as it is obviously her dodging what Kureha's asked, it's still very sweet. And, and yeah, I do get the sense that this is genuine. Yeah. And she also asks Kureha, is your love for Ginko real? And Kureha reaffirms, absolutely. So Yurieka tells her, search for the truth on your own. I believe you're going to find it. Search for your truth with those soft eyes, no matter what kind of storm it is enveloped in. Storm metaphor uh, is, I guess, still trauma. <laughs> I, I'm, that's still my running theory for what the invisible storm is in this version of the story. It's not a bad one. The invisible storm is the trauma we accumulated along the way. If I could hazard a guess, in the anime, the invisible storm is like the idea of this encroaching societal pressure. But in the manga, it seems like the invisible storm is more of a obscuring thing. Like the sins of the fathers. Not being able to see through the rain kind of kind of idea. Yeah, I can uh, I can get behind that. I, I'm not gonna lie, it is I will have an entire jokey rant about this much later. You do not have time tonight. <laughs> but my brain just went, ah! I get it now. The Yurikuma manga is just like Metal Gear. Oh boy. <laughs> That's all I have. Oh uh, yeah, put a pin in that. We will come back to that. <laughs> Someday we will come back to that, but not today. I, I leave everyone with that thought. So we find out that, unbeknownst to Kureha, Ginko and Lulu have followed her and were listening in to see what Yurieka would tell her. The panel of them dashing off after Kareha opens the door. Very funny. Very good. It is very funny. And Ginko notes like that it looks like Yurieka's not trying to get drag Kareha into trouble. And Lulu very very rightly goes like, Hey Ginko, why are you stalking Kareha essentially? <laughs> to which Ginko just brushes her off by saying, Don't pull me down to your level, which Ginko you're not fooling anyone. No. Even Lulu has enough brain cells to see through this. Even Mama Lulu, who is significantly less clever than her anime counterpart, can see through this. Lulu has the shared brain cell of the three of them right now. Mm. <laughs> she really does. So, Dingo goes, I'm gonna keep a lookout on Kareha just in case. So you're gonna follow her around and listen in on her conversations? No, I'm just tailing her and observing her. I really love the way that that speech bubble is drawn from Lulu, because she's like, so you're going to follow her around and listen in on her conversations? Like, it's so, like, bubbly, and it's got, like, little flowers and a heart. It's so good. By the way, cut to Yurieka's office, where she tells Kachusha to take care of the rest of these documents. And poor Kachusha, who is not being paid nearly enough for all of this drama. Well, she seems to have two jobs. She's not only the maid at home, she's also, she's just Yurieka's personal assistant, but she has to wear a maid outfit at the house for some reason. Yurieka, is there something that you need to tell us? <laughs> yes, she's gay. Moving on. Uh, well, we already knew that. We don't know what kind of relationship she and Kachusha have. This could be entirely consensual between adults. <laughs> Kachusha could just be into that. I don't know. <laughs> Honest to God, it is... What's probably going on here is, yeah, she is a personal assistant, and you're not supposed to think too hard about it because the maid outfit's just cute. And yeah. 
look, this manga knows you're here for for very specific reasons. Cute you want girls. the cute. You want the cute girls. You want the cute girls to fall in love. You want the girls to be aesthetic. That's true. So Kachusha kind of notes, hey, Yurieka, you seem to be in a really bad mood. And most high school students don't have the could never investigate events that happened in the past, which I assume means that like either high school students don't have the tenacity to do that, which Or the resources. Debatable. Yeah, but debatable or more likely like she's saying Croyhead probably doesn't have the resources to to find out what happened. To which Yurika agrees. And says, hey, it's probably better for Kureha to give up and forget what happened. And says, for a girl to love another girl. Dot, dot, dot. Are you saying she doesn't really love Ginkgo? Yurieka goes, nope, I'm not. The fact that her love is real is exactly what makes this so sad. I don't want her to become like me. I don't want her to become like me. Yeah, this is very clearly... So here's where we find out why she was trying to keep this under wraps. You know, in fairness, from Yurieka's perspective... Yeah, I was kind of dogging on her, but uh, I don't actually yeah, feel like, that The only context for how these things go is you end up in a toxic relationship with Ginko's mom. Yeah. And she really probably does not want that for either Kureha or Ginko. Mm-hmm. But that does actually kind of... Oh, gosh, I could tangent again here, but this is... One of the times that the manga very explicitly delves into the same kind of themes that the anime handles. Mm-hmm. Because there is kind of a an undercurrent there of, like, if they didn't live in a heteronormative society, would Yurieka still think like this? Mm-hmm. Is this projection not just a result of her... You know, if she didn't feel so isolated as a lesbian would she really feel because the next page that we're on she explicitly talks about the fact that both Rhea and Kale married men mm-hmm. and ended up having children and mentions I was the only one left behind and she kind of thinks about how sad it is when love is not accepted it's a really like pensive and nice moment especially the way it's framed like just kind of the the window kind of she's very small compared to these like big white windows but she's still kind of in shadow it's kind of heartbreaking i mean especially thinking about you know yuri manga tropes like yeah this would be what would happen right if somebody was like no i'm not gonna marry a man like i'm not gonna live my life like that and seeing these youngins go and have a different chance but it's she thinks it's too late for her Mm -hmm. yeah which Yurieka, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're in your your mid-30s. It's not as over for you as you think it is. Just just get on a few dating apps, you know, see what happens. Like, it'll be okay. I'm only razzing her here because I really, really, really want to hug her and tell her it's going to be alright. Right. Because if I was in that position, I'd want someone to do the same thing for me. Man, she's so much more sympathetic a character in the manga. I know. Imagine my surprise watching the anime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I oh, just, God. oh, God. It was very jarring no. after this. How was, yeah, how was that? I mean, she was like one of my faves, and I was just like, oh, to, no. They were trying to do this Akio shit in the anime, and I was like, it doesn't work the same way when it's a woman. I don't know what you're doing. I was not a fan. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that I don't like what the anime is doing with that entirely, but I do prefer this version of her. 
personally. I think it's much more interesting. Like, it's not necessarily handled the best, but I, I think it's, you know, you know, she doesn't have to be, you know, empathetic or whatever to be interesting. Yeah. But in this case, I think it's a more interesting thing to do than be the whole, like, authority figure is abusive trope. This version of her feels a lot more like an actual person could be this way. I mean, she yes. still has some issues, but, like, they're understandable now. Exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of have really mixed feelings here because, like, I almost feel like comparing these two versions, even though they're the same character, is harder for me to do mm -hmm. because they're not the same character. That's fair. Mm -hmm. They had the same name, they have the same design, but that's about where it stops. Yeah. Unlike, the anime is very... The divide between characters in the anime and manga is pretty stark in a lot of cases, and Yurieka is probably where it's the starkest, because mm -hmm. her motivations... Honestly, the version of her that exists in the anime is basic... Is Here's actually a better way of putting it. In the anime, she is the role that Ginko's mother plays in the manga. Yeah. That's much more She's accurate. Yeah. The anime. They're kind of, they're kind of mm -hmm. smashed together, I think, but yeah, much more like Kale, yeah. Yeah, it's that, which is probably why the abuser figure from her past is named after, is named after Kale. Mm. But yeah, kind of moving forward, uh, sorry to tangent for so long. <laughs> so, Kureha wonders what Ginko's mother is like and whether or not she's related to Rea's death. And also reflects on the fact that even though Yurieka told her, you know, hey, if you look for the truth, I, I'm confident you'll find it. Uh, she has no idea where to start. And as she is thinking, she thinks this, and someone else shouts, I know, a bear! A bear? <laughs> and someone shoves a teddy bear in Kuriha's face, and she runs right into it, falls over. Boom. So... A whole bundle of teddy bears fall to the ground, and Kureha comes face-to-face -face with Sumika Izuno from Class 2B. She finally showed up. Another way I was surprised when I watched the anime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Kureha asks, like, what, what are all these teddy bears? And Sumika's like, oh yeah, all of these are mine. Uh, and she explains that one of her classmates is in the crafting club and they're going to make their own teddy bears. So they asked her to bring some examples and she brought too many. And Korea goes, do you know a lot about bears? <laughs> I don't know everything, but I know more than the average person. I need to know everything about bears. You might say she knows more than the average bear. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh my god, you got me so bad. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm destroyed. So, Kureha ends up passionately clasping Sumika's hand, which makes her blush. And then Sumika notices that Kureha's tights have a hole in them. And she's got a little hole in the knee. And now Kureha explains what, why she wants to know about bears. Because she's looking for a bear that looks like this one. And she has drawn Sumika a little picture of the stuffed bear that Ginko has. The one that she says looks like her mom. And Sumika's like, huh, that's interesting. It's kind of creepy cute. Asks her what store she saw it in. And Korea's like, it was at a friend's house. Sumika goes on the internet and none of her bear buddies online recognize it either. 
Uh, the fan sub translation I found for this, by the way, called them the, uh, oh my god, what was it? The Kuma Cluster, which is... <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. I like that name. Yeah. So, Sumika goes, yeah, I, I don't know why... If we'd seen it before, I, I wouldn't have forgotten it, because it's got a very unique face. I know most teddy bears are made to be super cute or realistic, like wood carvings. And, oh, oh that's Koreha speaking. Uh, it's just hard to tell because it's off. Their faces are off screen for that. Also, Ginko and Lulu were listening in. So, Koreha's apparently put bought and put on a new pair of tights while they were talking. Or pulled another out of her locker. It's hard for me to tell. Yeah, they went to the locker room. So, I assume she had, like, a backup. Or maybe Sumika had a backup that she gave Koreha. Yeah. That would explain that. So Hook reflects on the fact that the teddy bear that Ginkgo owns looks just like the bears that show up in her dreams. And she's wondering why they look the same. And Sumika go- says, well, maybe that that stuffed animal was made by hand. And as they walk out of the locker room, Ginkgo and Lulu just bust out of the little locker they were listening in from. And, goes, and Ginkgo shouts, that's right! It's a bear my mom had specially made for me. And Lulu immediately pulls Kareha's ripped tights out of the trash and goes like, Hey, Ginko, look, I got the tights. Which <laughs> <laughs> goes like, don't pick up trash. You don't want them? Why would I want them? What a waste. I guess I'll give them to that sexy student council president instead. Wait, why would you do that? Says Lulu, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you doing? So Sumika kind of takes Kuriha to the library to find the original design for the bear in case it's in a picture book or a fairy tale. And Kuriha goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, and goes, I could do the rest myself if you if, don't worry about it. To which Sumika goes, oh, it's okay. I'm in love, so I don't mind helping out with the bears. Oh, no, I'm in love with you. <laughs> Uh, what? And Michael. here, and Kuriha just has a moment of, wait, what? As does everyone else. And we get a reflection on the line, if you love someone, take very good care of them. And apparently, Sumika's been watching, has been watching Kuriha all this time. So she knows that Kuriha likes Ginko. And that's why she's been unable to confess. I tried to give up on my love for you many times, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad we've been able to talk this much, which utterly destroys Ginkgo. It's almost like fate. And that's where we leave off. That is the end of chapter 11. What a cliffhanger. When someone accepts your love, it becomes a star. But what happens to love that isn't accepted? Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Wow. What a line. What an ending. I was actually pretty, like, <laughs> I just, like, I keep forgetting that Sumika is in this because she has not been in this. I know. And then she finally showed up and it was uh, pretty cool. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested to see how uh, the Sumika stuff plays out because it is obviously, I mean, like, we we don't really get Sumika in the anime. Like, she... She is a memory. She is a plot device, yeah. She is a memory and not a character. Yeah. I'm anxious to find out at some point if 
Yasha and Vana have read this manga, so I can ask oh, I them if they like this version of Sumika better. I could probably convince them to read it at some point, but I am almost... Certainly. I'm No, I am actually 100% sure that they have not read it. <laughs> <laughs> the Yasha and Vana into reading it just so I could get like <laughs> a three-page essay on how they still hate Sumika. How do we feel about the beginning of chapter two? We're uh, getting into the meat and potatoes, as you guys have said. I don't know what we have in store because I've only read through the end of this chapter. So I'm I'm interested to see where we go. How's everyone else feeling? Everybody ready to get on the pain train? Woo woo! All aboard. I love to be sad. Yeah, I'm especially just, I don't know if excited's the word, but... Uh, interested in how what what everybody will think of kind of Yurieko's journey as it were so we definitely get a little more into that and there are some really interesting moments we're to the hurt portion of our hurt comfort manga yeah definitely and just seeing how the really really marked departures from the anime I think make it really interesting definitely we are about to get into the part of this story where up until this point We've gotten sort of the the metaphors un, without context or explanation, just boldly and all the time. We're kind of getting, we're starting to go into the part of the story where we get a lot more straightforward answers, and that'll be that'll be interesting. I just want Ginkgo to be happy. Don't we all? We must imagine Ginkgo happy. We must imagine Ginkgo happy. All right. Well, I am like I said, I'm excited to. Board the pain train because I love to cry over gays. So, uh, listeners, if you would like to keep up with our travel aboard the pain train, you can follow us at Cast on Twitter. You can follow me at Impandanata also on Twitter. Alice, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Cass, where can people find the podcast that you and your lovely wife, Alice, do? You can find our podcast, Big Steppy, wherever fine podcasts are sold, and on Twitter, at SteppyCast. And Abby, where can you be found online, should you wish to be found? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AbbySaySwords. That's A-B-B-Y-SaySwords. And listeners, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do that on our Patreon at UtsunaCast or at ImagineMeAndUtsuna.com. And if you would like to see me reblog fan art for Utsuna on Tumblr, you can follow me at ImagineMeAndUtsuna.tumblr.com. And that's it. That's that's all the things. So, gal gal. Gal gal. Gal gal. Look for the fan.